the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Who's Donald Young? Well, first of all, Donald is dead. Uh, We'll get to that in a second. But uh, you're probably aware that Tucker Carlson did a long interview with Larry Sinclair uh, in the last couple of days, the guy who claimed to have had sex and done drugs with Barack Obama. He made that claim way back in 2007. And the media are either ignoring it or ridiculing it. I'm talking about the um, the interview that he did with uh, Tucker Carlson. But I listened to it, and I don't think it's about the sex or the drugs, really. It's the death of three gay men in Barack Obama's church. Two of them were definitely murdered, execution style. One of those was Donald Young, a gay member of Obama's church who Sinclair had spoken to. Here's Tucker Carlson. Donald Young calls you, you actually, in a, sounds like you kind of like and trust Donald Young. I did. Um, did he say how long he'd had a relationship with He him? had just said that they had been intimate for years. Intimate for years. Um, and what happened to Donald Young? Donald Young was shot dead in his apartment, second floor in Chicago, Illinois. I think it was December 23rd of 2007, according to the... Police report in the death certificate, multiple gunshot wounds, uh, close range, no forced entry, second floor apartment, yet not a single resident in the building heard a single shot, but yet they can hear every shot that's fired in the street outside. Um, Jeremiah Wright announces that Donald Young's dead earlier that morning, even before it was announced, even before he was declared dead. I mean, a lot of it just didn't make sense. Another gay member of the choir at United Church of Christ, that's uh, Reverend Wright's church, his name is Larry Bland. He had been murdered execution style a few weeks earlier. And when Obama had, that was right around the time when Obama had become the front runner for the Democrat nomination, seems kind of strange, but very little interest from the media. When we come back, we'll talk to our media ethics expert, Jeff McCall, about whether the media should show some interest in this story now. And in our second half hour, how schools in states where teaching critical race theory is banned are teaching it anyway. Stick around. Well, Tucker Carlson did his interview with Larry Sinclair in the last couple of days. Uh, Larry claimed back in 2007 to have had sex and done drugs with Barack Obama. Of course, he was either savaged or ignored by most of the media back then. And the interview was either ignored or savaged. The interview with Carson, I should say, was either ignored or uh, savaged by most of the media just recently. So how seriously should the media take this guy, who's never changed his story, by the way? Jeffrey McCall is a professor of communications at DePaul University, a resident media critic on this radio program. He works also for The Hill. He joins us now. Jeff, thanks for coming on again. You're welcome, John. So one example of the media's reaction to the interview I came across, 
Uh, and this is what when I saw this um, interview that he did. This is this is what struck me. I uh, had heard about this guy and all the salacious stuff and all that, but I had uh, you know I thought okay, so uh, Barack Obama's gay. That I, I don't that doesn't surprise me. I really don't care that much. But this is what uh, someone wrote uh, by the name of Arwa Madawi at, in the Guardian. Quote, according to Sinclair, he wasn't the only man to have drug-fueled dalliances with Obama, but no one else is around to speak up about it because they were all murdered by Obama's campaign. Now, that is, it just doesn't get any more dishonest than that. Someone reading that would not know that the two gay men uh, were, were members of Obama's church, were murdered, murdered execution-style within a few weeks of each other in 2007 when he was in the when he was peaking as the Democrat nominee. Shouldn't that be mentioned somewhere? Well, you would think somewhere that that kind of context needs to be presented. But it's not surprising that the media is not going to, like, do any research on this. And part of the thing is, no matter what Obama did or does now, the media rhetoric narrative, basically, is that Obama is a saint of the progressive movement, uh, that he made history for the United States, which he did. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think there's not going to be any interest in uh, anything that would tarnish uh, his, Im- his image, because th- in a sense, the mainstream media has run cover to protect Obama for a long time. Even when he was in the White House, of course, the media coverage was very flattering for Obama and everything he did was wonderful. And, you know, the economy was great. Health care was great. ISIS was the junior varsity, as you remember, Obama told us. Uh, and so it's not surprising that the the kind of over the long arc of Obama and media interaction, we're going to continue to see this kind of protection. And I must say, the, uh, I did not watch the interview with uh, Tucker Carlson um, and uh, Larry Sinclair, uh, but I did read some of the accounts of it. Uh, it comes off as salacious, of course, as you suggest. But I, I must say, I, I wish the media, instead of just saying, oh, this is salacious, let's ignore it. I, I wish somewhere somebody chose some curiosity to say, are there ways to verify this? Are there ways to look into this? Should there be some research done? And my guess is if you contacted the uh, investigative reporting teams at the New York Times or Washington Post or CNN, not one person today is doing any follow-up or investigation to try to see whether or not there's any credibility to Sinclair. And by the way, I'm not, not suggesting that everything Larry Sinclair says we should all just absorb and assume as fact. But as you indicated, the story hasn't changed. Uh, there have been other kind of hints and suggestions along the way here. And part of this, I think, is kind of like at this point in our nation's history, do we need to put President Obama in context historically? Uh, and it, it's not unusual for years later for people to look back and try to say, what was that person really like? What was that presidency really like? There have been all kinds of exposés over the years about John Kennedy and how the FBI spied on, spied on him and his relationships in and out of the White House and stuff. Uh, Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon, all these people have been through the microscope of history. And I don't know why Obama shouldn't go through that, too, as long as it is done carefully and that there's some verification along the way. And here's the thing. I don't know about you, and I did watch the. I just watched it this morning. The the uh, the long interview with Sinclair, and um, 
I, that was the first time I had heard. Well, maybe I had heard of it and forgotten, but it, I don't remember ever hearing about uh, George Young. I don't remember ever hearing about it. Now, um, and and so when Carlson brought it up, I, I you know I was interested. Well, who's this guy? And and then I I, I just today I went back and I uh, duck duck goad because I try not to use Google. I duck duck goad. Um, uh, George Young, and there's all kinds of stories in there about when it happened, and the guy was found in his hotel room with uh, multiple shots, and then I find out that there's another guy named Larry Bland, who was also a um, a, a member of the church, gay. He was murdered execution style a few much a few weeks earlier than Young. I don't remember any of it. So I, I, maybe I, I don't know if I was asleep back in 2007. Do you remember any, any of that back at the time? No, absolutely not. And I mean, and, as you are a member of the media, and I study the media, uh, it's not like we're oblivious or we don't follow the current events of any news cycle. And for us to both to have been drawing a blank on those kinds of names, you know, from the Obama past is unusual. But again, th- this does kind of fit a pattern, again, with what we call establishment media, because my guess is, you know, over the years when uh, Ted Kennedy was serving in the Senate, if anybody had gone to the news media and said, who's Mary Jo Kopechny, well, most of them wouldn't have known. Nope. <laughs> okay. And she was the young lady who drowned, um, sadly, uh, in a car wreck that Ted Kennedy was responsible for. But, you know, her name was erased from the history of Ted Kennedy, uh, you know, Kennedy did some good things, he did some bad things, but nobody ever put in context that this was a really uh, 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 unfortunate part of his history that everybody wanted to just block out and whitewash throughout the rest of his career. And, you know, even when he's in the Senate, oh, he's the lion of the Senate, and he's yeah, the liberal lion. and we, we, to bring it up. Yeah, we, we sanctify the guy when, you know, he had his flaws. And, you know, and I must say, I'm one of those guys who figures politicians of all stripes you know, should be transparent. We should know as much about them as we can. I know there are bounds of privacy and that sort of thing. But once you become a senator, once you become a president, you give up some of that right to privacy. And people need to know more about what makes you tick. And, you know, if you're, you know, driving around cavorting with Mary Jo Kopechny or in the case of Obama, if you're hanging around people who end up suspiciously murdered, somebody needs to at least kind of put in context what that means. Uh, and my guess is this, that, that the establishment media just are not interested. And if somebody walked in uh, who might be a little bit more uh, credible than Larry Sinclair, if somebody walked into the Washington Post newsroom and said, here's some more detail, they wouldn't even want, they wouldn't even ask the questions. Yeah, and if, if you're going to, if, if the subject of the story or the person producing the story or spreading the story is a guy who's a, um, a drug addict, who goes out at night pursuing gay sex and paying for it or figuring out how somewhere somehow how to get it somewhere wherever he goes and um and i i just uh, it, you 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 can't expect uh St. Francis of Assisi to be in there sitting there being interviewed you know the, yeah. this yeah. is the yeah, absolutely. you either believe him or you don't but you, the, the, isn't it the me- media's job to okay this guy doesn't seem all that credible to me at least as a person, it's not a kind of source I would want to depend on, but let's look into what he's saying. 
Yeah, and 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 expose him as a nut if he really is. And yeah, uh, and right. the, col- the column you cited from the Guardian, uh, you know, is an example of somebody who doesn't even really want to raise those questions. No. and and re- you know, scrutinize whether Larry Sinclair is a nut rather than just to say, well, he's horrible, and Tucker Carlson's even more horrible for having even talked to the guy. Yeah, and here's the other thing: there's there's the salacious aspect to the story which allows people to just kind of dismiss it either because it makes them uncomfortable or that they just think, who cares? I don't care what Barack Obama does in his free time. So much of that could actually be dismissed. But what I don't see being mentioned in the context of what's coming out now is the disclosure just a few weeks ago from a former girlfriend of Barack Obama, a letter that he had written to her in which he said, he fantasized about having sex with men. Again, who cares? Especially since it happened in 1990-something or even earlier. Who cares? Except that back in 2007, people were dismissing Sinclair's claim that Obama was gay. Now they, now they, it's a little tougher to dismiss that, isn't it? So that doesn't that bolster Sinclair's credibility a little bit? Well, it would seem to. And again, this is one of those things I don't think we take Sinclair with a straight face necessarily, but at least we should like try to sort out what this means. Uh, and, and maybe it means nothing. And, you know, maybe we should just say, hey, this was Obama's private life. And as you say, for the most part, nobody should care or pay any attention. But it does kind of put in context a lot of the things that have happened over the years. And people are curious. Uh, and, you know, and part of this story, is you, you, ta- you, you mentioned the other two people who were found out murdered. Um, they went to Jeremiah Wright's church where Obama and Michelle were, uh, you know, participating. And I just think, you know, maybe there's more of the story here that, you know, that we're missing. And, you know, people should look at, like, what was happening at Jeremiah's Wright church? Well, let me stop you um, there, Jeff, because one of the stories I came across wasn't that hard today uh, about his church was that within the? And again, I don't know. I don't even remember who the, what the source was. But it's not. I can't go investigate it from where I'm sitting here. Somebody, you would think there'd be somebody interested in checking it out. Uh, that that there was a club there that Jeremiah Wright facilitated among the gay members of the church that they would meet and do whatever they do, uh, and he would cover for them. And both Larry Bland and George. Uh, was this young? Were were um, members of that club that they had? It was a kind of an unofficial official club that had it had an acronym, three letters, and I, I can't remember what it was. It was a an acro- or an, a- an acronym specifically designed to be misleading, but it was these guys who had this this little club going, and both Young and Bland were members of it, and they're both murdered execution style. Maybe it's completely, you know, I don't know. It just seems like something, if I were in the media, I'd want to ask about that. Yeah, and I mean, again, it goes back a few years by now, obviously. Yeah. But I, but so I un- un- we, the murders aren't solved yet, by the way. No, but they're not solved. And my guess is they're never going to be no. because nobody's wanting to look into that. But I think looking at the culture of the Jeremiah Wright Church could tell us a lot about how Obama rose to, to fame, how he ignited his political career. I think it tells us a lot about his view on um, uh, America, because uh, we know Jeremiah Wright said awful things about America. Mm-hmm. I think it also gives us something in terms of Obama's cultural view of the world uh, and on a lot of different standpoints. But I think, you know, one of the stories that I think 
the media keeps overlooking now is, you know, I mean, you could put to say this is history. It maybe gives us a window into how Obama shaped his cultural values and stuff. But the one thing I want to know from the media now is what is Obama's role right now in running our government? That he, you know, you keep hearing these stories about he's running a shadow government and that the people working the Biden White House are consulting Obama and all kinds of stuff. And I'm thinking that's a story because we know that Biden it just can't be in charge of the day-to-day operations of the White House. And we also know that, based on reports of recent weeks, that Biden doesn't have a lot of confidence in Kamala Harris to be coming in and ma- making a lot of managerial decisions either. So the question is, who's running the country? And there's, I think, enough evidence to suggest that Obama has an unnecessary and probably over uh, oversized role in running the government now and i would think we should we should understand that and know what that is beyond just that he's a former president who remembers when joe was the vice president uh, yeah and speaking of salacious stories if there had not been a stain on a blue dress uh monica Lewinsky would have been um declared uh, some kind of a stalker and they would have destroyed her life and so that was just a nothing story until it became something yeah. And I think, again, this is one of those things where I think the media is always happy to kind of project a narrative to protect the people that they want in kind of an activist sort of sense and dismiss anybody who would have anything bad to say. And, uh, you know, you, you even go back to Hillary Clinton and her campaign in 2016, how much they protected her uh, in all the investigations about her emails and that mm-hmm. she destroyed, uh, you know, iPhones and technological equipment and stuff like that, that never got reported. And then all that stuff was probably criminal when you got right down to it. But the media was never going to go that direction because, you know, I hate to say this, but the media is part of the establishment and the media, generally speaking, again, I don't want to broad brush all the media, but the media establishment, generally speaking, is out there to work the American public these days rather than inform the American public. And I think that's a sad reflection. Yeah, and uh, we're talking to Jeffrey McCall. He's a professor of communications at DePaul University. You can find his stuff also at The Hill. Um, you know, and I say this all the time. Uh, I, 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 every, we have you on about it every couple of weeks, and I, every time I have you on, I have to say it. You would think that there would be people who would, when this guy does his interview with Tucker Carlson, people working in the media at places other than, well, Fox can't touch it because it's Carlson. But right, right. Fox won't touch this one. No, working at other places who would, who would say, well, I've got to look into that. And then when they came across that this guy was murdered in 2007 and it hadn't been solved yet, maybe we ought to reopen a, a little discussion about that. Let's go back and look at that. Why, why did that? Why was that guy murdered execution style? I've got about 30 seconds left, Jeff. Well... The uh, the guys who wear the fancy suits in the corporate towers of these big media corporations are never going to green light that kind of investigation. Uh, they they are they look at that as poison. And the, the reporters who would want to make a name for themselves, the next Woodward's and Bernstein's, know that they'd actually career their kill their careers if they started going down that path. So they're not going to go that way. So those stories are probably just going to end up being dead and buried for a long time. Yep. And uh, as usual, Jeff, great uh, uh, to have you on to talk about this and kind of dissect it. And uh, it won't be the end of this. And we'll talk to you again soon. I look forward to it. Thank you. Okay, that's Jeff McCall of DePaul University. We'll be right back.
Well, kids are back in school, and if you have kids or grandkids, you might be wondering if they're being indoctrinated or taught, and or maybe which of the, which of the two, and and is it enough of just being taught and not too much indoctrinated? That's kind of the way things have been going lately. There's a battle going on between the uh, the pro critical race theory pushers and the critical race theory opponents, and some states have passed laws to uh, to keep CRT out of schools, but they're are people out there bypassing those bans? Adam Gillette is president of Accuracy in Media, and he's here to tell us how. And thanks for coming on the show, Adam. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And, yeah, I'm unfortunately going to have to tell you, those bans aren't worth the paper they're printed on. Wow. So so what, before we get to that, what can you tell us about uh, Accuracy in Media? Well, we do a combination of hidden camera investigative journalism and cultural activism to hold bad public policy actors accountable. It is a target-rich environment. And as part of these investigations, I've been in over 250 school districts across the country, red districts in red states and red cities. And what we find again and again and again is that these administrators are more than happy to break laws, ignore laws, and deceive parents in order to push their radical agenda. So you went undercover to to video these school administrators, and and was it specifically looking for uh, what they were doing with um, with critical race theory? Primarily, but I'll tell you. Unfortunately, we found out that things are even worse than that. I was in Dayton, Ohio, which is an Air Force town, a conservative town, and an administrator told me about how they allow trans boys to use the girls' locker room. And I jokingly said, I bet if I was 12 or 13, either me or one of my dumb friends would have claimed we identify as a girl to go in the locker room. The guy says, without missing a beat, I have no doubt that that happens. Well, that's a major problem. Uh, We were in a district in rural Texas, and one of our investigators was posing as somebody applying for a job in the district. And she said, if a child is identifying as trans, do I have to tell their parents, which I think is required by state law? And, uh, you know, what if the child is nervous and doesn't want to tell their parents? Well, the administrator told us that if they have parents and the children are nervous to tell their parents that they're trans, that's when they get the Department of Children and Family Services involved to yeah. find out why these children are nervous to tell their parents that they're trans. They literally call the state on you, and that's Texas. So, so you found things like that, even though you know, this this piece that you uh, that you wrote or that you yeah that you were quoted in at the Washington Examiner, which is how I became aware of this. Um, you you weren't out specifically looking just for uh, for CRT, or were you doing that and you just stumbled on this other insanity? Well, we were looking to see what effect the CRT bans had in the states that passed them. And we found out, as I said, they're not worth the paper they're printed on. And one thing we covered this week is a classroom news curriculum service called Newzella. Because when we asked about teaching CRT, all of these administrators kept bringing up Newzella. It took us a while to put two and two together. Newzella is a classroom curriculum service that curates articles from a variety of sources. However, they include the New York Times 1619 Project the Southern Poverty Law Center, radical historian Howard Zinn. So if you're in a state where they banned the 1619 Project from being taught, what many teachers and administrators do is they take the exact same content from Newzella and they assign that to the kids instead. It says Newzella on the masthead rather than 1619 Project, and you're none the wiser. So it's exactly the same stuff? 
Yeah, the, you know what they do with Newzilla, which is their special sauce, is they can take articles and change the verbiage so that it can be read at different reading levels. So if you've got one article, but your classroom is really all over the place in terms of reading skills, they can all read the exact same article, but with different words and different reading levels. So they take these stories and they make them more appropriate just for the reading level of younger students, but it's still the exact same content. It's still Southern Poverty Law Center content for K through 12 education. It's still teaching students that the American Revolution was fought to preserve slavery, which you and I and anybody who's ever read history know to be a lie. And so how widespread is this uh, New Zealand? And how that's spelled N-E-W-S-E-L-A? That's correct, and they purport to be in over 90% of the school districts around the country, oh, that's and nice. that's probably about right. Everywhere we went, we asked if they were using Newzella once we learned of it, and district after district said absolutely. Some only use the free version, which is limited. Some use the paid version, but it's darn near impossible to find a district that doesn't use Newzella. Similarly, it's darn near impossible now to find a district that doesn't have a full-time equity officer. These are highly paid, non-classroom positions focused exclusively on getting critical race theory principles into every facet of your child's education, and they're in red districts in red states. And so I, I, I guess I, I, I wasn't aware that, that high schools or any schools, uh, public schools or private for that matter, I guess, that they would subscribe to a service that would tell them what their curriculum was going to be. I, I thought well, schools just cur- came upon that. You know, they, whoever the, 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 um, the people were who were running the school district or running that particular school, they made that decision. You know, admittedly, the curriculums are also kind of a red herring because we had so many administrators tell us that they could teach whatever they want as long as they could tangentially point to it being somewhat related to something in the curriculum. So they'll happily invite you in and show you the curriculum. But it doesn't mean that those are all of the assignments your child's going to get. It doesn't mean that those are all the homework and the classroom activities that your child's going to do. It just means that this is basically what they loosely work off of in order to push whatever they actually want to push. It doesn't mean that they're not going to have social and emotional learning, which is regularly now used to push critical race theory into every facet of education. They stay one step ahead of the parents every step of the way. And uh, it, they get this content. You mentioned the New York Times. They, News, Newzella um, provides this to the schools, but the, the schools don't ask where this stuff is coming from, or is it labeled as such? You know, are, are these sources identified where this stuff is coming from? That Newzella is oh, it's labeled as out. such. It's labeled as such. And to be fair, not every one of Newzella's partner is a crazy radical organization. But it's used by the crazy radical administrators to get that content into the classroom. You know, a teacher could use Newzella and pull non-political stuff. That's entirely possible. Or they could pull up a recent Newzella article about how wonderful the Black Panthers were and how they were really, really great for society in the 1960s. And when you've been in district after district with administrators who lie or who brag about lying to parents, I think I know the kind of content that's regularly getting used from Newzella. And um, these are they're supported mostly by liberal groups. Does a conservative group sneak in there ever? You know, uh, they've got the Wall Street Journal as a partner in their op-ed page is certainly conservative at the Journal. And they've got a couple of their nominal ones. 
But from what I heard from administrator after administrator, they never brought her up in that regard. And in fact, I even said to one administrator when she mentioned Newzilla, I said to her, that's like uh, Southern Property Law Center in 1619 Project. She happily said, oh, yes, they do. It's wonderful. And then in her words, but we're not telling the parents that, which is always comforting to hear from a six-figure paid administrator, isn't it? Amazing. And, and again, this is apparently everywhere. Red states, blue 90% states. 90% of the districts. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I was in a, a rural Tennessee county where the district is three to one Trump over Biden, and an administrator laughingly told me about how progressive their curriculum was from an equity point of view. We were in Ohio and had one administrator laughingly tell us, quote, we trick the parents. Another administrator told me that a parent called because they saw the Ibrahim X. Candy anti-racist handbook. He saw a picture of it on the district website, and the equity officer who gets compensated almost a quarter million annually, told the parent, no problem. I'll get that picture removed today from the website. And he tells me, I removed that picture. I didn't even know we had a picture of it on the website. But that book's still probably in our library. That is what you're up against as a parent. We're doing a pretty good uh, commercial right now for school choice, aren't we? That's the only solution for this, honestly. Universal school choice is the only solution. All of these laws banning CRT and LGBTQ content and banning radical books, again, not worth the paper they're printed on. Taking back your school board, that's nice. I want to have a good school board. But when you've met so many administrators who brag about breaking state law, you really think they care who the school board is? I can tell you they don't. It's a religion to these people. They're not doing it because they're evil. They, they're doing it because they think it's in your child's best interest to hear the principles of critical race theory. But I think you and I would say that parents are best to determine what's in the best interest of their child. We're talking to Adam Gillette. He's president of Accuracy in Media. You can find this uh, piece about this at WashingtonExaminer.com. That's where I came across it. Um, so uh, these, uh, these people that you were recording secretly um how how many of them did, were challenged by your people who were in there recording them did, did they or well, did, did you just let them say it and then just you know we got our evidence or did you were they were they was there any pushback given they suspect that we share their ideology and that we're on their side. Oh, okay. So they're more than happy to tell us how they get around these things. They're proud of it. Again, they think they're doing God's work if they believe in God. Hmm. We only found one administrator in all of our investigations, I'm embarrassed to say, who was clearly from the other side. Now, surely there are some who aren't doing bad things, but we just really don't know for sure. But we encountered only one administrator who, when we asked about social and emotional learning, he said, yes, you have to be careful about that. We said, what do you mean? And he basically explained to us how social and emotional learning in and of itself isn't political, but now many districts are using it to push radical political content. Uh, This guy was an unwitting whistleblower. He didn't even know it, but he laid that out for us, and we're actually going to release video of him next week. We're, of course, going to blur his face and change his voice so he doesn't get uh, recrimination from his colleagues throughout the state on blowing the whistle of what they're up to. Have you uh, since confronted any of these administrators with what you found? Do you go back to them and say, hey, here's a video of you. This doesn't seem right. 
We don't do it. The parents do it. When we've released our investigations, at least a dozen districts have had to hold emergency school board meetings around the country. This year, we've had about a half a dozen administrators get suspended and several get fired. But for us, that's not a victory, really. They're only going to get replaced by people who are identical, but smart enough to keep their mouth shut. The only solution is school choice. The biggest obstacle to which is generally rural Republicans. A rural Republican legislators block school choice because the biggest employer in their district is public education. But is public education a, a, a make-work project, or is it to educate the public? I, I would hope the latter. So you're saying that Republicans, and this has been a problem for me, and I've talked about it a lot here, I really, I think the Republicans do a really good job of talking about school choice, but they not nearly enough of them walk the walk. And so... They're not only not walking the walk, they're actually pushing back against it. That's exactly right. We saw that in state after state. After we released our investigation in Iowa, Governor Kim Reynolds commented on it, and she said that it made the case for school choice. She extended her legislative session four consecutive weeks to try to pass school choice. It was blocked by Republicans. To her credit, she then went and supported primary opponents of the Republicans who blocked her. She brought down a half a dozen, including the House Education Committee chairman. Lo and behold, they went back in and passed school choice. In Idaho, a dozen Republicans lost their jobs to other Republicans when they blocked school choice, but they still haven't been able to enact it there. But we've seen universal school choice passed this year to varying degrees in Ohio, Utah, Indiana, Iowa, all states in which in which we've investigated. Uh, it's also happened in Florida. It's going to happen to a degree in North Carolina. Hopefully it'll happen this fall in Texas, a state that literally has no school choice at all. What's the argument that these Republicans, I know the, the Democrats, they don't have to make an argument, but what's the argument that the Republicans give for not being for school choice while also being a Republican? What's the argument they make? It's twofold. They oftentimes don't have private schools or charter schools in their district. So there's not a lot of school choice alternatives. They don't think in the short term their district would benefit. And again, they view public education as a job creation program, and they don't want to cut jobs out of their district. But as we said, it's the goal of public education to create jobs. Why don't we just hire some of those people to dig holes and hire the other half to fill them in? That way, at least they won't be propagandizing our children. And the reason they're able to get away with it, I'll tell you, is because parents want to assume the best of their school district. Mm -hmm. They've met with their child's administrator and their child's principal, and they want to believe that these are good people. I met with them, too, and I did it with a hidden camera, and they bragged to me about how they lie to you. Is there a place where people can find these videos? Sure. Our website, aim.org, if you click in the investigation tab, you can see all of the investigations we've released from, gosh, I think a dozen states across the country now. There's plenty more to come this year. Uh, aim.org is our website. We're also very active on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and even TikTok. And AIM, of course, stands for uh, Accuracy in Media. Adam Gallette is the president of Accuracy in Media. Have a little bit over a minute left here, Adam. Uh, how about... Um, I just heard this uh, somewhere the other day where it's being discussed and uh, some people are pushing back on it. Uh, having cameras in the room with the teacher for parents yeah, to watch anytime they want. For children. Yeah, I mean, it could potentially be a privacy issue for children. I suppose there are certainly upsides to it because I think, you know, 
I love that law enforcement officers wear body cameras. I think politicians and bureaucrats should wear body cameras, although I'd argue the next best thing is a hidden camera investigative journalist with a camera. Yeah, well, I, I hope people go to check out your um, uh, your videos at AIM.org, and I appreciate the work you're doing, and I appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Okay, and we'll have you back again soon, I hope. That's Adam Gillette, president of Accuracy in Media. I'll be right back. Hey, football season starts tonight, and uh, it's the uh, Detroit Lions and the Kansas City Chiefs Thursday night football. So, oh, actually, the football season has started a long time ago, if you count high school and college, but NFL regular season starts tonight. And a uh, couple of quick little sports items here uh, pertaining to the NFL. First of all, I saw a report uh, yesterday, I think it's Forbes magazine, uh, has said that the Steelers are now worth over 4 billion dollars not bad i think art rooney paid like 2500 bucks for back in the 30s um but that's just the only reason i bring that up is because we talked about this not too long ago actually because they're talking about building a new stadium in nashville for the titans the stadium i think is the same age as acrashore the former heinz field so it's it's only a matter of time till the steelers say they want a new stadium and i, I want to make sure i make it clear that they should. They're nuts if they don't say they want public money to to build a new stadium because they want to keep up with the Tennessee Titans and the other teams that are building these billion-dollar places Uh, because as a business person, you would be crazy not to go after that money if you think that the money's there to be gotten. So I don't blame them, but I just want to let you know that I think they were worth – I think it was less than a billion dollars back in 2000 when they were building the uh, new stadium, and now they're worth $4 billion. And the 49ers have a guy named Bosa, who's a defensive end, who just signed a contract that's going to guarantee him, I think it's uh, uh, $32 million a year. No, it's $34 million a year. It's more than, it's more than that because it, it comes to – they play 17 games, and I did the math – it's about $2 million a game, which means if he were a baseball player, he'd be making $324 million because that's how many games they play. But they only play 17 games. So that's the kind of money that they have to spend. So when they come to you looking for your tax dollars, say no. But don't blame the Steelers for coming after it. And the last thing is they've got a new rule, which is another part of the feminization of America. Now when you kick off in the NFL, when you're, retur- when you're receiving a kick, if you get the ball – Anywhere inside the 25-yard line, you can signal for a fair catch, and they'll bring it out to the 25. So if it's a high kick and you take it at the 5-yard line, you don't return it. That would be way too exciting. You put your hand up in the air, everything stops, you walk up, you put the ball down at the 25. You know why they're doing that, of course. It's football, and that you know they don't want to have too many kickoffs because, you know, somebody might get hurt. That's where the NFL is now. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.